This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Happy National Blueberry Month. Hopefully you've seen some of the efforts that have been underway to promote blueberries this month. And I thought it would be a perfect time to talk about past, present and future efforts to drive demand. We've really made it an annual tradition to talk to today's guest and get his analysis and outlook on the blueberry market. You've heard from him back in episode two, episode 46, and episode 97. Now back for his fourth appearance, I'm very pleased to welcome Brian Bocock. Brian, as most of you know, is a Michigan blueberry grower and the vice president of product management at Nature Rife Farms, where he's worked for over 30 years. Brian also serves as the vice chair of our very own USHBC promotion committee, and I will always appreciate the opportunities I have to hear his perspective and the energy he brings to our committee meetings and everything that he does. Here with Brian and I today is also Grant Prentice, director of strategic insights at Padilla Food Mines. Grant has been instrumental, really, as a partner through many of our strategic initiatives here at USHBC. HBC recently, and I'd look forward to having him weigh in on the efforts that we're making at USHBC to drive demand today, and of course, all the work we're doing for the future. So, Brian and Grant, happy National Blueberry Month, and thank you both once again for joining me on the Business of Blueberries. Casey, thank you very much, and I always love the opportunity to say, go blueberries. <laughs> oh, here we go. Man. Just like Brian to start the podcast episode with a little bit of a zigger there. Well, welcome to the show. Grant, thanks for being with us. Yeah, happy National Blueberry Month to you, Casey, and uh, always honored to be included in the discussion here on what I like to think of the is the world's leading berry podcast. There we go. Exactly. Award-winning, in fact. Well, it's a lot of fun to have you both. This is going to be very conversational because we've done this a few times. Brian, your insights are going to be something that I know lots of people will be interested in hearing in terms of the dynamics that were underway this summer for our North American market. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about from your point of view, Brian, how has the season been so far? Well, let's see. We're in week 29 right now. And um, when we got started out of Florida and Mexico. Um, we had a really big crop in Georgia in particular. Florida probably came up a little bit light. Mexico had a pretty solid crop as well. The dynamics were really interesting during April and May as Georgia had a, as I said, a record crop. And we really moved through that crop other than maybe about a 10-day period relatively successfully, I'd say. Forecasting wasn't too awful bad and, and allowed for promotions to really get set up right. The other thing that was really dynamic as we move into May was California. Uh, California running later threw a lot of dynamics into the May marketplace that allowed for, um, I think, some additional success out of the Southeast and even, and even Mexico. Um, as we moved into June, the California effect started to hit us a little bit as they were delayed, and there was quite a bit of production into June. New Jersey started to get cranked up. Georgia was still trying to be in the game. Um, North Carolina was still in the game, and 
things got a little dicey, but again, I think we moved through it pretty well into uh, the July 4th week, and that's always a a big thing if we can get through June at reasonable pricing or, or great pricing. That certainly finishes off the southeast crop. It finishes off California and gets a big part of New Jersey in the box. So, Casey, I, I, summarizing it up, up to now, while there were three or four weeks, if I went back in time, I would absolutely uh, maybe dial things a little bit differently for some grower returns out there and pricing and movement. Um, as a general statement, I think so far pretty significant production trends in some different areas, especially as you compare it to the last two or three years. Because keep in mind, both North Carolina and Georgia the last couple of years have had really poor crops. Georgia in particular coming back hard, but even North Carolina coming back pretty good to sustain where the marketplace was, I think was um, a pretty good effort by the industry and by the growers with um, quality and making sure that we try not to disappoint that consumer. Up to this point, while there's things we can always improve on, I think we've we've done fairly well so far. Yeah, it seems like I mean I, I I've you know moving into my fourth year at the councils, and uh, I don't think I've seen a crop that big out of Georgia since I've been here. And I imagine you know from your experience and perspective, that size of crop coming on there combined with uh, you know obviously the success we saw out of North Carolina this season, uh, even with a shorter crop out of Florida, it was amazing to see everything continue to roll. I think about just how much work has gone into making sure that you know movement still happens, demand's still there, and how remarkable it is that the industry was able to rally that many pounds moving through the system. You know, it seems like given you know not to suggest that things would be different next year, but it just seems like the consumers will absorb it. They'll buy it and they're looking for more fruit. And so maybe give us some, you know, from your perspective, characterization of the current market, you know, from your, your insights of, of seeing how things are moving, you know, what's motivating purchase uh, from your perspective. We obviously with you as vice chair, spend a lot of time talking about the work that goes into motivating purchase, but how would you characterize the current market towards blueberries? Well, a couple of things. Um, first, I want to backtrack just for a second on a comment you just made about the consumers will purchase it. I agree 100% with you. The consumers will purchase it. Our challenge is to get these volumes in the door and get more money for it, right? We need to have inflation on pricing because there's inflation on the cost to go to business. And that's the goal. And that's ultimately what the goal and should be for um, USHBC Promotion Committee. And it is. We got to work hard to build demand and consumption, which leads me to what I think for the next few weeks. And, you know, as part of the um, Promotion Committee, one thing that we have focused on is in July with retail doing some uh, retail promotions to really help drive awareness in store in the consumer's face at the point of purchase time. Casey shared with me some pictures from Nugget and uh, Smart and Final on the West Coast where they had the Booster Blue um, actually out there in front of the consumer. And it's not just on the West Coast we're doing some stuff. You know, we're doing some stuff with Kroger, with Publix, Smart and Final, Food Lion, Wegmans, Jewel, and I think I counted 30 retailers that we're um, actively engaging with to really help drive point of purchase uh, material at that last second. So that's a that's a big deal. Over the next three or four weeks, you know, I think that this is going to be the most critical point of um, the summer for domestic producers. From January until July 4th, produce sales go up almost every single week at retail. You get to July 4th to Christmas, they're going down almost every single week. 
And when you get into July and August, now we're competing against cherries. We're competing against stone fruit, competing against grapes. You know, you get into August and early September, we're competing against retailers wanting to go to fall sets with the squash and with the, with the apples and other things. And so unlike April and May, where berries really don't have as many strong competitors as we do during July and August, it's really difficult to move through the similar volumes or bigger volumes at the same price points that we did earlier in the year. To summarize it up, we've got some real challenges the next three, three and a half weeks to make sure that um, we really keep the gas on the pedal and, and, and moving product through. And then I think if we do it right and not uh, go too crazy, we could see some inflation on pricing at the end of August and September versus where it's been in years prior. And certainly the focus and the help by uh, USHBC working with retailers across the U.S., both East Coast, Midwest, and West Coast is timed right in July. Well, I want to talk about that because, uh, you know, I think this is new territory for us, but I think it's important to you know, maybe spend a little time on the progress we're making on, on why we're participating in that retail space the way we are and helping, you know, drive the category in terms of attention, both for the brand and I think for blueberries, but obviously how it then drives volume and sales. So let's come back to that and let's get some more details here. But first, it's time for our crop report. We have regions throughout North America harvesting every week this time of year. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Pat Gowen in Indiana, Jason Smith in British Columbia, Alan Schreiber in Washington, TJ Hafner in Oregon, and Brody Schropp in Michigan. This was recorded on July 26th, 2023. This is Pat Gowen reporting for the state of Indiana. The weather here has been the issue uh, most of the season. We've gone from very mild conditions to uh, extreme heat this week. Humidity is higher than normal. Certainly we have had um, air quality issues because of the Canadian fires that seems to be coming right down in our direction. So we've been under those warnings as well. Labor has been adequate thus far. Overall, the quality has been pretty good. I think on the estimate side, I think fresh is probably pretty good. Process may be a little bit higher, and that's due to, I think, the concentration of the fruit ripening all at once. Uh, I don't know that people could stay up with it. And I think that concludes my report. Thanks. My name is Jason Smith. I'm reporting for uh, British Columbia, Canada. We've been experiencing some cooler weather. We had a couple days with rainfall recently. The cooler weather has been good. The rainfall was very much needed. I'm afraid things are so dry, they're probably going to dry out pretty quick again here, but um, thankful that we got it. So basically, I've talked to a bunch of people about the uh, crop because as we have gone through the Duke crop, it just continues to get lower and lower. So at a point now where the council reached out and got some input from, you know, a number of growers and packers in the uh, in the industry to try and kind of fine tune what our number would be. And we're kind of coming in at uh, around 120. And that could be anywhere from hearing 65 to 70 million pounds fresh 
and maybe 50 to 55, maybe process for an overall total of 120, but 120 may even be on the high side as we continue through our, our harvest season here. So we got a long ways to go to finish the mid season and, and even start the leads, right? So that's my report for today. Eastern Washington, it has been cooler, although our weather is, is kind of mixed. In the next seven days, it ranges from a high of mid-80s to mid-100 and 304. So it has been cooler, but it also has been warm, and it's also been hot, but it has always been dry. We're in the middle of mid-season varieties, hitting a lot of draper. Duke is done. People are eyeing the uh, post-draper varieties. In Western Washington, it's been cooler and it's been rain. It's just what Jason said about BC. In Western Washington, as you go south to north, the there seems to be more problems. That gradient continues into British Columbia, and I'm sorry for the problems in British Columbia, but I think they have it worse than Whatcom County. Whatcom County has it worse than Skagit, and kind of below Skagit doesn't seem to have the same concerns. I've talked to some folks in our state and we are adjusting our production down from 185 to, you know, down to 170. And we are going to say 30% fresh and 70% processed. We think there may not be as much going percentage-wise as much going fresh as we at first anticipated. In the west side in northwest Washington, the Duke crop is mixed. There are people that say we're above average and people that said they have below average yields. You go into blue crop and the sense is the blue crop could not handle the higher temperatures during pollination and, and blue crop across the board is uh, below average. This is T.J. Hafner doing the crop report for Oregon. We are kind of reaching peak season right now as far as volumes go. Uh, we're picking Draper, Blue Ribbon, Legacy, wrapping up Top Shelf. We're doing Blue Crop. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of in peak season for volume. Quality, on it's been pretty good. I know Draper's really been the biggest challenge for us, though, just lower yields, and we've had more... Uh, really more sunburn and shrivel in that variety than we have in years past. Disease pressure and pest pressure is, is pretty low. That's in the SWD suppression has been kind of the silver lining of the heat that we've been having. At this point, I think we're still going to call it 165 million pounds. I don't think it's going to be over that this year, just from what, I'm, what we're seeing and what I'm hearing from others. A lot of machine harvesting. Uh, happening, not not as much hand harvest as what we had projected this year. That's kind of it's been driven mostly by just the economics of it, not being able to put as much into the fresh market as what we had we had hoped for. So that is all I have from Oregon right now. This is Brody Schraub from Michigan. Uh, things are going good around here. We're kind of in that mid to mid late part of the season where we're still picking on later picks of blue crop and. Second picks of Envoy, and we're kind of moving into uh, uh, later picks of Draper and, and, and to Keepsake and on the verge of, of Legacy and Liberty. Uh, I would say that size right now is exceeding a lot of people's expectations, especially given the, the dry conditions we've seen. In terms of quality, right now it's really in there pretty well, even with the, uh, the rise in popularity of machine pick. 
all together right now, I think that people are, are there's a lot of optimism about the crop. It seems like volumes are strong. Uh, looking at the Duke numbers from this year, we a lot of growers saw, saw a sizable increase from year over year, and we're hoping to keep that trend going. But thanks, that's all I got for Michigan. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. So Brian, you were just talking, we were just talking about kind of the retail situation and the work that we've done there and just working through some of the strategy that has USHBC involved with retail at all. This is really kind of new territory for us as a program uh, being invited in essentially uh, with the marketer's support, you know, using some of these new MOU dollars that we have to help really kind of beef up our ability to be of service to this part of the industry's interest. And of course, you know, I got to say just, you know, what you were describing in terms of our point of purchase material, working with these retailers who are raising their hands saying, yeah, we'd like to, we'd like to participate in National Blueberry Month. We'd like to do a little bit more than we normally do. We'd like to feature Grab a Boost of Blue. Um, How do you see that, you know, in terms of your experience as a marketer with us involved at that kind of category level? That is an absolutely fantastic question, Casey, (laughs) because it is, you know, it's a thin line between these things. And what I think is really important for everybody to understand is USHBC, it's not their job to go out and set up these promotions and set the deals up with retailers. That's, That's our jobs as growers and marketers. But where USHBC steps in is to be a solid complement to that and really promote blueberries generically, you know, at the point of purchase. When that consumer is right there getting ready to make that decision on what they're going to buy, to have that extra little boost of blue (laughs) sitting right there in front of them to maybe pull them in to buy blueberry versus something else. If USHBC can help us during the peaks of production with POS material and boots on the ground, driving consumers and pulling them in, it's a fine line, but it's also a very clear distinction. Yeah, it's interesting. And this would be a good place to bring Grant in. He's been a part of, you know, kind of our evolution of this, having been asked to do what we're doing today, which is to kind of carry the carry the banner, you know, obviously this being a generic one for the category, but but carry the banner for promotions within this channel to try and grab consumers where they are and connecting a dot back to the PR and the consumer work we do at a digital level, whether it's Instacart or we just launched a whole suite of new videos that we've produced that are all about Grab a Boost of Blue. So kind of that ecosystem grant that we've been creating that now manifests itself in a meaningful way at retail for consumers to see is becoming a really powerful, I think, call to action for consumers, certainly, but an opportunity for, for retailers to jump onto something that they seem to really resonate with. That's uh, well said, Casey. I think that our goal is always to develop content that is as relevant to the consumer as it can be and really sets blueberries up as a must-have and to develop a program that supports the category throughout the year. We're very lucky to be able to be working with additional funds that the MOU agreement freed up. And we're taking those monies and investing them very carefully to do a couple of things. I think one is getting access to higher quality data that give us greater insights into the way the consumer is using blueberries, the way they think about blueberries, and in really importantly, why they perceive value. And then taking that understanding and using that more effectively within our Grab a Boost of Blue power period programming that we have out there. And just to build on some of the comments that have been made here about 
what are we doing in July? What is the grab a boost of blue programming in July that we have out there in support of the sales of fresh and frozen blueberries? Let's not forget about frozen blueberries as well in the retail channel. Our retail programming, I think Brian had touched on it, is about 30 retailers, which amounts to about 10,000 stores that have agreed to collaborate with USHBC on grab a boost of blue programming throughout the month of July. So there are either sales contests that assist those stores in maximizing the sales. About half of those 10,000 stores are doing those kinds of contests. The other half are using grab a boost of blue point of sale materials that have been supplied by USHBC to support in-store sampling or uh, messaging that, again, is being put forward by retail dietitians, again, who are leveraging both sort of the taste and the recipe side of the story as well as the good for you side of the story. So it's a really, uh, I think, powerful collaboration with retailers. There's also digital advertising and content that is being used not only through influencers and at a national level, but also through those retailers that are promoting. They have their own digital channels as well. We have Grab a Boost of Blue content that's being used within the context of those. And I think one of the, one of the really exciting things is our health halo and the love that people have for blueberries can attract other promotional partners. So Don has done a really nice job of developing cross-promotion programs with Chobani Greek Yogurt at Meyer and a partnership with the California Milk Advisory Board at Smart and Final, Sprouts, and also Nugget Markets. So there's, there's both the blueberry and that complementary product that's being used within a recipe or some delicious simple meal or snack that both of those are being promoted by the retailer. So we've got a number of things going on out there right where the consumer is deciding where they're going to spend that food dollar. And I think given inflationary prices, having that added value story at point of sale has become even more important than it was previously. And I think even more beneficial. So we have some air cover and we got lots of ground cover out there supporting blueberries throughout the month of July. Yeah. And I think, Brian, you know, to the extent that this is connected back to the strategy that is a part of the strategic plan, but being executed and overseen by the promotions committee, you know, a lot of, of this is an amazing way to help encourage retailers uh, beyond a PO to do something specific with blueberries that excites them. So I guess where I'm going with this is it's not lost on me that we've been talking about Grab a Boost of Blue for, you know, going on two years. And yet for some of these retailers who are in the position of marketing at retail, they're, they're either hearing about it for the first time or we're working through, you know, what is, you know, been a historical customer list for someone like yourself to encourage them about the stats we have on the demographics of folks that we're focused on, the motivating factors that we've seen in the research the committee's done to, you know, kind of bring that knowledge forward. And what you're finding is that it kind of relights a flame of enthusiasm with those retailers that, yeah, this is great you know, thank you so much, you know, this call to action, you know, whatever part of any program that that retailer is raising their hand on that Grab a Boost of Blue can fit in. It just seems, you know, from a category management perspective, a well-timed effort to try and be working in this channel on behalf of the industry. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, retailers, they're absolutely going to gravitate towards anything that's going to help them drive their business, right? Anything that's going to drive their category. And as an industry, we, we really haven't gone after that. And at the end of the day, putting out, you know, the call for consuming more 
blueberries generically across the board is the win because that's going to raise all ships, right? That's our goal. Well, and I've appreciated just kind of the pilot test of that. I mean, basically the theory that we could make a difference and then seeing the results last year. So Grant, maybe you could talk a little bit from your perspective on how the data efforts that we've got are going into helping make decisions around where we play and how these power periods are executed against. No, that's a that's a really good point. I would say that the those incremental funds that we've been able to work with have enabled us to do programming, both supportive programming within digital and some of our more traditional channels, as well as in the retail space. But the other piece of the puzzle that it has really unlocked for us is access to data and data that is an improvement over where we were before. And we had, I think, some great insights that were gleaned from the Nielsen database that was acquired and analyzed over the last couple of years. But moving into now a new set of data that's provided by SPINs is giving us additional information into where blueberries sit. So taking that information and working back with the retailer to make sure that they understand the importance of promoting the category and the value that's locked up in the category that they can use to their advantage as well as to the consumers is a really important part of this process. That new SPINs database that we have is showing, you know, blueberries are up 12% in volume and 7% in dollar sales through the first half of June, just for that four weeks that ends at the middle point in June. And even going back to the beginning of the year and looking at that first quarter, which was actually where we had that heart health month and the booster workout power periods, uh, our volume was up about 6.3% at that point and 8.9% in dollar sales. So it's taking that data, not only at a national level, but also at a retailer level and showing them what is the value, not only in the absolute level of sales that blueberries are driving in the store, but their responsiveness to these types of promotional windows. That's where we can really have a big win-win and really continue to drive, as Brian points out, so important is both the volume and the value of the fruit to the consumer. Well, I was going to say, you know, the the power of the data of helping us, you know, both keep pace with that kind of information, uh, but then also knowing where to place our chips, you know, obviously as an organization who's able to reflect back, not just the historical rearview mirror, but looking forward, you know, where do we see that production going and, and how important is it going to be to have certain things in place? You know, one of the things we were looking at this fall was uh, data that was helping us understand where there would be a marketing gap or a market gap in promotions where we could fill in. But I would think what's interesting about where USHBC is at today with what data we're talking about here is it gives us, you know, as a committee, and, and Brian, you could speak to this on how much more we're talking about what we know is happening at within the industry with this kind of data that's helping us be better at how to place the marketing. Yeah, I think there's... There's all kinds of subjects inside of what you just said. Actually, one of the first ones I'll bring up, and I meant to bring this up earlier, is, you know, the game's afoot with quality in the marketplace. We still disappoint the consumer more than we should with what we put out into the retail pack. There's going to be massive, already is, massive changes in the varietals that are going in the marketplace and what our kids and even us will be able to enjoy three, four, five years from now. It's going to be way different than what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years. So that, in and of itself, 
is going to be a real boost to um, what the demand pull is going to be from from consumers. But then there's so many opportunities yet for us inside of generic platform for blueberries. You know, when you talk about food service, when you talk about K-12 and CNUs, we're just touching the, the edge of it. And and really, the, the innovation is happening at the food service and the CNUs. The, getting people to try blueberries is a whole other frontier of getting after consumers that have never tried a blueberry before. I think there's a lot of neat things we're working on and a lot more we need to do in uh, food service and K-12 CNU. Yeah, well, and we're doing more and more because as you're pointing out, just to clear up what CNU is for the audience, colleges and universities and the elementary through high school group of of consumers that that non-commercial food service allows us to kind of spend resources into. And and we're doing more of that because we see more opportunity, as Brian's putting it, into attracting that audience into patterns of consumption for blueberries. And that is, like you said, it's like our gateway opportunity to grab uh, young people and certainly consumers who may not realize it's part of an innovative ingredient going into you know, the kind of menuing of options that these folks who are making purchase decisions always have to make. And so we just got back from Boulder working with SRG on an innovation week with the chefs there. Uh, That should be rolling out over the next 18 months in terms of collateral that's encouraging more and more of those chefs to be thinking about how to use blueberries in in their menuing of food. And and also, uh, Brian, I know you were a part of our Michigan tour last year, but one of the things this summer we're going to participate in again is another blueberry experience where we're taking a number of companies uh, in food service through Washington State, and we're just going to jump up into Canada for part of a day and experience that kind of chef tour that we did last year in Michigan. So that's another thing that's happening this summer. So uh, that'll start to help drive some more interest and love for blueberries with that group of people who have some pretty, pretty Pretty uh, important decision-making power. Yeah, Casey's being coy, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. He he's shared with me the list of people that's going to Washington, which if that list shows up, there's a powerful list of quick service restaurants and wholesale things going on there that would be awesome if we could get them actively engaged. And one of the beautiful things to me when I engaged with this last year in Michigan with bringing the um, QSR folks into the farm is you're putting a real body, a real farmer, a real place in front of the blueberry. Now you got that face, you have that experience, you have the the love, the passion they see in our industry. And our industry's got a lot of passion. It's a really exciting program. And I tell you, if you pull off that list you share with me, whoo, kudos to you. Jeff Malinsky, you better be ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's one of those things where, you know, you, you put a list together and there, there'll be some changes in it. But if you're right, this is going to be a really powerful week uh, there in Washington for the whole industry. And so we'll continue to go and, and visit different regions with this program. But you're absolutely right. It's that personification of the industry that really pulls that story. But I think, you know, if you can, if you can get that buyer or you can get that person who's responsible for marketing in it, if you can get that chef to light a fire under a, an ingredient use for blueberries, uh, well, obviously we've done our job and we've seen the success of that. So we're starting to see some of that, uh, those, those relationships turn into uh, volume driving initiatives. And that's what that food service component of our program is all about. And I know it fires you up, but there's going to be things that we talk about going forward from here, Brian, which is, uh, you know, 2024 and beyond. And we're kind of looking at things increasingly at a three-year window. We've got a really good foundation that we built with Grab a Boost of Blue, and it's a constant iteration of that success. 
that's happening across channels. So, you know, as you think about 2024, the work we've done, how we've evolved the program to be really dynamic with this new call to action, grab a boost of blue and how many people are adopting it. We've got over, I think we have over 80 licensees now who are using grab a boost of blue for their marketing purposes, whether that's on pack or for marketing on advertisements. What would you like to see more of Brian? I mean, what are, what are the things that you think of and you're like, man, if blueberries could get there, that would be awesome. You know, I, I, Casey and I were joking earlier today that you may not want to leave an open microphone with me on this conversation. But no, I, I am passionate about food service in K-12 and CNU. I, I really think that, quite frankly, we're underserving what we should be doing in the, that area. We need to be driving more effort, more resources, in my mind, towards that because as we have inflation with pricing, we hopefully are going to remain a viable, profitable thing for, for growers. It's not an easy game to be a blueberry grower right now. It really isn't. And working with QSR and working with food service is really taking steps towards improving that going into the future. We're doing a number of things. One, we're generating new consumers. And the other thing is, as a general statement, that tends to be um, a pretty good place to interact from a price perspective for the grower, right? The problem is there's not a lot of our industry going in there yet. And I'm not sure if we'll ever get to a huge percentage, but we're certainly underserving where we could be. That's big area we got to focus hard on. Well, and Grant, maybe you can speak to a little bit about, you know, just how maybe ambitious we are with looking at that kind of non-coms food service area. I mean, you, you really do have a increasing amount of opportunities at schools, at college and universities, healthcare systems. You know, there's this big movement of food as medicine and blueberries fits just really nicely, both in the menuing of the product and certainly the health benefits that it brings. So, Grant, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit from your perspective on how you see that moving forward. No, absolutely. I think that there is a, a, one of the smartest things that the blueberry has ever done was deciding to take some of those checkoff dollars and invest them into nutrition science and starting to build a library of really high quality health research that shows the different sorts of health benefits that are associated with the regular consumption of blueberries. And having that wealth of evidence takes you into relationships, opportunities with feeding programs, with schools, with universities, with the National School Lunch Program as supportive evidence of reasons why your fruit should be part of that feeding program. Great recap there, Grant. And uh, yeah, thoughts on that, Brian, just as we kind of start to wrap things up here on National Blueberry Month. It's just a, an honor and a privilege and always awesome to uh, work in this industry. We we have an unbelievable product that we should be super proud to to promote and get behind. And I agree with Grant completely. It's so many opportunities inside of what we're doing from the health halo to build off of to the color blue to the flavor of it. It's just, it's just an amazing commodity and it's, it's fun to work in and um, you know, let's go grab a boost of blue. There we go. Well, I, I appreciate you being with us today, Brian. You're continuing to help provide that volunteer leadership and direction there on the promotion committee. But I really appreciate your time today. I know our audience really appreciates your insights and you know, we really appreciate your time. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Grant. You guys are awesome. 
All right, we'll leave it there. Grant, thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll do it again because uh, this is always a great combination of conversations around the work we're doing to drive demand and certainly the way it's having an impact on the marketplace. So uh, don't go far, guys. We'll do this again. So appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you both. All right. Well, that's it for episode 144. Driving demand really does take a collected effort, not just Brian or the committee or USHBC staff, but everyone in this industry. If you're not engaged already, please reach out and find out how you can help make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. It does make a difference. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the business of blueberries. 